back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphin fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Monday. We are back. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are back to a game week. Did you all enjoy your weekend off? I certainly did. Recharge the batteries back home with my wife, daughter, and two cats. It was a great weekend. Some great NFL action to cover as well. We'll talk about that on the podcast. Give you a little glimpse into tonight's Monday night football game as the Dolphins' opponent next week plays tonight in this particular Monday night football game, Rams and Bears. We're going to talk about the Dolphins' season rankings, both individuals and teams. We are also going to hear from Coach Flores, Mike Gesicki, Preston Williams, and Shaq Lawson. Plenty to come here on this Monday, October the 26th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation helped raise over $25 million to help drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com today. And I want to first recap the weekend that was in the NFL because we had tons of action around the league that really pertained to the Miami Dolphins as we take a look at this team heading in to the final 10 games of the season, the final 10 weeks of the season as the bye week is now in the rear view and we have a slate coming up against a bunch of teams out west with the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Broncos all coming up road and home games involved there as well. Dolphins get the Rams this coming Sunday and the Rams on tonight's game, tonight's Monday night football game against the Chicago Bears could be an interesting matchup, but I look at this game as a way for this Brian Flores' Dolphins team to really kind of get their self-scouting and get their self-evaluation and try to fix the things that they thought they were not doing correctly in the first half of the season, the first six weeks of the season. We hear Coach Flores, Coach Josh Boyer, Coach Chan Gailey, all these guys talk about daily improvement and stacking up these days where you make yourself a better football player today than you were yesterday. And the bye week is a great opportunity for that. We saw this Dolphins team come out of the bye week last year under Brian Flores. And that was when things really began to shift for this Dolphins football team. Of course, we all know the results of the first four games of the season last year, and they didn't get the W's off the bye week in the Washington and in the Buffalo games, but they started playing much better football, much more competitive football. And you go back to last season, I had Eric Rowe on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that Buffalo game as when things kind of began to shift for the team. They kind of started to really understand the buy-in process of playing for Brian Flores and this coaching staff. And I think that when you take a look at this year's team, the improvements they've made through the first six weeks, obviously by the record, the point differential, we have guys atop the leaderboard and some statistics. The defense is the number two scoring defense in the NFL coming into play. We'll talk more about that here in just one second as we review the numbers for the first six weeks. But you look at this team and the applications you can make as far as the bye week and benefiting you going into the second half of the season. I just think you have a good opportunity here to really take the things you do well and improve those, but also get better at the things you do not do well. And you look at this week's opponent and the Rams, short week, six days of rest in a Monday night football game. You hope 
you hope the Bears can make it a physical, tight, contested game, a high-stress game. Maybe you get overtime. Maybe you get a fifth quarter like we had in that insane Seahawks and Cardinals game on Sunday night, which was the best football game I've seen in quite some time as far as entertainment value goes. But that's what you always root for in your in your previous week matchup, right? Play as long as you can. Play as many plays as you can. Get those guys tired, especially on a short week, especially coming across the country on a five-hour flight in that early window, the 10 a.m. West Coast time window for the Rams against a Dolphins team coming off of a bye week. And we're going to preview this game later on in the week, but I have one more stat I want to go ahead and run by you guys that I saw. And I talked about it on the podcast a little bit last week as we kind of started to do the preview for the Rams and and just kind of get some nuggets here and there. I talked about the condensed nature of the Rams offensive formations, and that's what they do. They think they bring things in tight. They run tight splits. They bring the receivers inside the numbers. They don't really spread things out and go the horizontal spread game. In fact, Next-Gen NFL Stats has the Rams as the tightest formation in terms of average width of their offensive formation at 20.4 yards per snap. The team that has the widest formation, comparatively, is your Miami Dolphins at 30.1 yards of width. Now, obviously, the two offenses don't go up against each other, but you see the contrasting styles there of the Rams offense and the Dolphins offense in terms of how they split the field, how they spread the field pre-snap. So I'll be taking a look at that throughout the course of the week. We'll come back on Thursday and have the preview podcast for you guys taking a look at this Los Angeles Rams football team and get you the matchups, the highlights, all that fun stuff. Before we turn this over to media, to get sound from Coach Flores, Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, and Shaq Lawson, let's go ahead and run through some Dolphins numbers through the first six games of the season. And remember, this does not include the Monday Night Football game as that is going on. Maybe as you listen to this podcast or recorded it before that game happened. Dolphins offensively points per game, still 26.7. All those numbers are still the same, but the rankings have changed, obviously. 12th in points scored, 22nd in total offense, 22nd in rushing, 18th passing offense, the 22nd third down conversion rate at 40%, and they have allowed the ninth fewest sacks with 10 sacks allowed this season. I haven't used football outsiders very much this season, but they have a DVO rating, defensive adjusted value over average rating they use to grade offense, defense, special teams, and they have the Dolphins as the third best special teams in the National Football League. The Dolphins' 15 successful field goals by Jason Sanders are the most in the league without a missed kick, and the net punt average of 42.4 by Matt Hawk is the 12th best in the NFL. And the Dolphins have 28 penalties assessed against them for 228 yards this season. That's the fourth least in both those categories across the National Football League. So once again, a very disciplined team here under Brian Flores. Defensively, the points per game, 18.8. Man, you look across the league, how many games are 34-24, 31-28, 40-30? I mean, there's points galore this year in the National Football League. Miami allowing 18.8 points per game. That's second in the National Football League. Total defense is 17th. Rushing defense is 19th. Passing defense is 16th. And the third down conversion rate of just 31.3% against is first. Tops in the National Football League. We fall down the sack chart because we didn't get any sacks on Sunday. We didn't play a game. So we have 17 sacks. That's tied for the 11th most in the NFL. Some individual metrics here. Miles Gaskin has 340 rushing yards and 18 first downs. Both of those stats are 23rd in the NFL. He also has 225 yards after initial contact, and he averages 2.74 yards per carry after initial contact. Both of those rank 18th among running backs who have 40 or more carries this season. Devontae Parker is 22nd among receivers with at least 20 pass targets in his yards per route run at 1.99. 
Preston Williams is 20th in the league in touchdown receptions with three, and Mike Gesicki is sixth among all tight ends in receiving yards with 20, 282 yards at the tight end position. Up on the offensive line on the interior, Solomon Kinley and Eric Flowers both have allowed just eight pressures each. That's tied for 11th, um, 11th fewest among all guards in the NFL per PFF. And Ted Karras is one of 14 NFL centers without a sack allowed this season with minimum 200 pass blocking snaps at both guard and center. So good job there for those guys. Emmanuel Ogba off the edge is tied for 11th among edge defenders with 25 quarterback pressures. His five sacks are tied for seventh most in the NFL, and he has 11 run stops. Those are tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage, and that's tied for 16th best in the NFL at edge positions. Christian Wilkins is 11th, 11th among interior defensive linemen with 13 run stops. Linebacker Jerome Baker has 46 tackles. That leads the team. It's 28th in the NFL. And Kyle Van Noy's 12 QB pressures are second among all off-ball linebackers, where Landon Roberts is tied for 13th with his five QB pressures from that same position. In the defensive backfield, safety Bobby McCain, who we're going to talk to later this week on Drive Time, has a passer rating against of 0.0. That, according to Pro Football Focus, he's the only DB with more than 100 snaps who can say that. And Eric Rowe has five pass breakups. That's tied for second among all NFL safeties. And cornerback Xavier Howard has a passer rating of 49.0. That's second best among corners with at least 20 pass targets. And of course, he is tied for the league lead with four interceptions. And then Jason Sanders once again is one of three kickers with double digit makes without a missed field goal. And punter Matt Hawk has 10 punts downed inside the 20 yard line. That's 10th best in the National Football League. So Miami well well represented across the leaderboard in the National Football League. And before we turn this thing over real quick to Coach Flores and the players for their Monday media availability, the Buffalo Bills did beat the New York Jets. Man, I was hoping the Jets could pull that game out, help us pull to within a half a game of the Bills, but they do not. The Bills get the win. They move to 5-2 and two on the season. So the Dolphins, one and a half games back in the AFC East. The Dolphins did jump over the Las Vegas Raiders in the AFC wildcard picture right now at 3-3. Three and three. The Dolphins are just one game back of the Colts for that 7 seed. The Dolphins currently your 8 seed in the AFC. So everything is in front of us right now. Talks about the Rams, the Cardinals coming up. A couple of tough teams from the best division in the NFL, for my opinion, on the docket there. The Chargers and Broncos, a couple of young quarterbacks there coming to the pike as well. So plenty of good action coming your way for the Miami Dolphins as they have a chance to really put themselves in a prime position down the stretch of the season with a good run, a good month here in November. And one more way you can really get that improvement in the second half of the season that the coaches and the players talk about here in Miami is to get more production out of your young players, in particular out of your rookies. And we know this Dolphins team has 11 rookies that were either drafted or traded for who were drafted from some other team, the Las Vegas Raiders and Lynn Bowden Jr. We had Benito Jones make his NFL debut on Sunday, the undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss. And I want to touch on those 11 rookies and how they've performed through the first six games and maybe a forecast for the final 10 games of that rookie season. But it got me thinking about the construction of this Dolphins roster and where the players on this Dolphins roster have come from. And that got me thinking about previous draft classes, right? Because we look at this team and think there are plenty of first and second year players, but there are also players that have been here for three, four, five years that are now considerable contributors, significant contributors, guys that are very, very important to this football team. And we start in 2015, pick 14 of the first round. Devontae Parker is a bona fide number one receiver in this NFL. 
and he's been playing consistently throughout the course of this season. We talked about it on an earlier podcast, playing through the nicks and bruises and kind of taking it upon himself to make sure he's out there for all 16 games, and the talent has always been there, so the production catching up there as well for Devontae Parker. That same draft class in the fifth round, pick 145, Bobby McCain, who we're going to feature on the podcast later this week out of Memphis. He was a cornerback when he was drafted, now playing safety. We talked about his numbers in the open, 0.0 passer rating against Bobby McCain in this season. He's a captain on this defense, a almost never leaves the field type of player, a 90 plus percent player in terms of snap counts. Those two guys back in the 2015 draft still here and having a huge impact on your 2020 Miami Dolphins. You go ahead to 2016, second round, pick 38, Xavier Howard. I mean, we talked about him too. One of the lowest passer ratings against, tied for the league lead in interceptions this year. Most interceptions in the NFL back to December of 2017. He was a home run pick there in the second round for your Miami Dolphins. The first pick that year turned into multiple draft picks in the future. We wound up with Solomon Kinley and Noah Igbenogany in this year's draft from that trade. We also have two more picks next year, a first rounder and a second rounder looking like two top 40 picks right now currently from that trade. So that draft 2016 provides you with plenty of value, a star player, a good looking rookie guard, a very toolsy and traitsy youngest player in the NFL cornerback out of that trade as well. And then two more future premium picks next season currently on this roster and in future rosters for your Dolphins. The 2017 draft class. Though he is on injured reserve right now, Devon Godshaw in the fifth round, pick 178. In the seventh round, pick 237. Isaiah Ford that year, both have been contributors on this football team this year. One on defense, one on offense, some big catches for Ford, some big run stops for Devon Godshaw on defense as well. And then you skip ahead to 2018, and the first selection that year turned into Austin Jackson this year, who was having a damn fine season before he wound up on injured reserve. You wound up with Mike Gesicki in that draft class, who is one of the top tight ends in the NFL right now in production as a receiver, catching touchdowns, yardage, all that fun stuff. In the third round, Jerome Baker, who's playing almost every snap at linebacker for you. He blitzes, he covers, he defends the run, does a little bit of everything on the defense. In the fourth round, Durham Smythe, been one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the game for my money this season. In the seventh round, Jason Sanders, who has not missed a field goal this year, been the best, most accurate, most consistent kicker in the NFL. NFL this season. Jump ahead to 2019. Christian Wilkins, one of the top leaders in run stops this year for the in the NFL for your Miami Dolphins. In the seventh round, Chandler Cox playing snaps at fullback. Miles Gaskin, one pick later, leads the team in rushing, 18th in the NFL in rushing yards. In the fifth round that year, Andrew Van Ginkle, linebacker out of Wisconsin, giving you sack production, coverage production, run stop production, playing well so far in his second season. Michael Dieter on the bench hasn't played this season, but is a quality interior backup on the offensive line, still in the fold there. You also had Preston Williams as a UDFA that year, and Nick Needham, who both are playing plenty of snaps this year for your Miami Dolphins. And then we jump ahead to this year, and this is the point of this entire diatribe here, so to speak, to talk about the rookie progress report so far through six games. I wrote about it on this morning's Blitz up on MiamiDolphins.com, and we start with the first pick for the Dolphins, number five overall, Tua Tungavailoa. He threw only two passes uh, for nine yards in the NFL so far. Will make his NFL debut, starting debut, I should say, this Sunday against the Rams. You go back to what Jerome Baker said about how he asked for advice on what he can work on, what he can see, whatever it is that he can do to get better, and that was the thing that Jerome said really stuck out to him, was how he truly wants to get better, how he wants to make this Dolphins football team win games. So not much of a progress update there on Tua, 
But in a few weeks' time, we'll be able to get back to this and talk about Tua and some starts he has under his NFL belt as he gets more playing time in his NFL career. The next pick, Austin Jackson, we talked about him. Hasn't allowed a sack this season per pro football focus. And Coach Steve Marshall talks about how fierce these guys are on the offensive line, how they're intrigued and engaged to learn and get better every single day, and the competitiveness of those guys. And we've seen Jackson's true talents, the sweet feet. He is so nimble, so athletic, and can get into those pass sets so quickly. We saw that on display through the first four games before he got injured and headed to IR. We'll see if we can get Jackson back here this season shortly. At the cornerback position, Noah Igbenogany, he got thrown to the fire there for Byron Jones, playing the same position as Byron when he got hurt. Played 246 snaps, plenty of good experience there, made 10 tackles. He did force nine incomplete passes on 25 pass targets. But the biggest thing that I took away from Noah's first six games of his career was what Byron Jones said about him. He's probably one of the most impressive young guys I've seen in a very long time, Jones says of Igbenogany. The way he approaches the game, this kid is here early. He's here early looking at film with the coaches. He's there late. The way he practices and the way he really approaches practice is really impressive for a young guy to understand that. So big praise there from the Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones for rookie cornerback Noah Igbenogany. In the second round, tackle Robert Hunt, who has started two games, played plenty as that kind of sixth offensive lineman in heavy packages, and he has surrendered just six quarterback pressures this year, and all of those are hurries, so no sacks, no hits on the quarterback from Robert Hunt, who's been playing right tackle for the last two games. Raekwon Davis has 118 snaps through six games, three QB pressures, seven total tackles, two run stops. And we've seen a bit of increase in playing time from him since Devon Godshaw went down. So we'll see more of Raekwon Davis here in the second half of the season. Safety Brandon Jones has played 235 snaps at five defensive positions and a member of four special teams units. So he's playing plenty in his rookie season, plenty on his plate. He's tied for fifth on the team in total tackles with 21, and he had that big tackle for loss on third and two in the Jets game to help preserve the only shutout this year in the National Football League. In the fourth round, we talked about Solomon Kinley, 392 snaps this season. He's been credited with just eight pressures allowed on the quarterback through six games on 239 pass blocking snaps. He averages a quarterback pressure on just 3.3% of his pass blocking snaps. That's one every 29.3 snaps in pass protection. So basically right around one per game, a little bit more than one per game for Solomon Kinley. Jason Strobridge has not made his debut just yet, but Coach Hobby has talked about how he had a really good camp. Coach Hobby said back in September that he thinks that Strobridge is getting better every day, thinks he has a role on this team. It's a long season. I think we're going to need him to end that quote from Coach Hobby on Jason Strobridge, fifth round draft pick for the Miami Dolphins. At long snapper, I mean, can you complain at all about Blake Ferguson? If the field goal kicker hasn't missed, if the punter is top 10 with punts downed into the 20-yard line, top 10 in punt average, Blake Ferguson putting the ball on the money key details, special teams, focus on these very important minute details to some people, but important details here, long snapping one of those details, and Blake Ferguson has done a good job so far his rookie season. We haven't yet seen Malcolm Perry this year. I thought he was really impressive in camp. Chan Gailey had this to say about him. Malcolm is converting to wide receiver, so he has a lot of things to learn yet about the game. I think he has a chance to be a good player, end quote there. And then the draft, or the trade from the Las Vegas Raiders, who was drafted in the third round this past season, wide receiver Lynn Bowden played a little bit of quarterback and receiver in college. He was on the Blitnikoff watch list the last season there at Kentucky before the quarterback gets injured, so he takes over at QB and just goes on to set SEC rushing records for most rushing 
yards in a game from a quarterback, things like that. Very impressive college career for him. And the coaches had this to say about him. Shangili did rather. He has some natural route running ability, has some natural athletic talent. He's still just in the process of learning everything, the nuances of playing at this level. It's not the athletic talent. It's just learning the nuances of being able to compete, end quote. And, you know, he came in after the install had all occurred. Shangili also talked about this. He came in after the offense was installed. So he kind of has been working through certain packages and trying to get up to speed in the base general install of this Dolphins offense. And he also has a few carries in Wildcat, had a nice block last week as well. So plenty of contributions from Dolphins young players, from Dolphins rookies, from guys that were drafted here the past five or six years in Miami. And hopefully that natural progression continues here in year one for these rookies as they continue in their first season. And if they give you more than they've been giving you so far, that's a good sign this year for your Miami Dolphins in 2020 and beyond. Speaking of the rookies, let's go ahead and jump into the Monday media availability. And we'll start here with Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki, who was asked about the quarterback change to Otunga Vailoa and how Gesicki says he is perceived by his teammates in the locker room and what makes him special as a person, as we've heard so many times before. Um, yeah, I mean, Tua has done a, done a phenomenal job with, you know, just being a just being a guy in the locker room, you know. Um, you know, everybody, um, you know, has fun when they're around him. He's a funny guy. He's He's a good time to be around. And then when he's out on the field, um, he does, he, he has that, you know, where he can kind of flip a switch and, you know, make it serious, but also, you know, still have fun with it. Uh, so I think that that's something that, you know, I look forward to, you know, getting out there on the field with him and, you know, seeing him in the huddle and, you know, making a big play because, you know, you know, you know, it's eventually coming and, you know, how he reacts to that. And I think it's, it, it's exciting to, you know, be part of that, uh, that chapter that, you know, that, that next phase, um, and I think that he's done a, you know, a phenomenal job kind of earning everybody's respect in the locker room. And then obviously, you know, everybody's respect outside of the locker room, you know, upstairs, you know, um, you know, giving him this opportunity uh, and, you know, he's earned it. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for him. Up next, Mike was asked about how he might see his role changing in the offense or how the offense in general changes with the change at the quarterback position. Um, I'm not really sure, honestly. You know, I don't, I don't know how, you know, the game plan is or is not going to change. Um, you know, what I will say is that, uh, you know, Tua has, you know, I think he's got every throw in the book and uh, you know, I think he's got, you know, the intelligence to make all the reads and he's got the, you know, the legs to be able to, you know, escape pressure and, you know, make some plays with his feet. So, you know, I don't really know if you're going to take any plays out or, you know, that he's going to do something that, you know, Fitz wasn't doing or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that that's what it really comes down to. I think it just comes down to, you know, our coaching staff and, you know, kind of what they've done this season is put guys in position to be successful. And I think that that's going to be, you know, a common trend here moving forward. One comment he made there that I want to touch on was the ability to make plays with your feet. And we see it across the National Football League pretty much unanimously right now. Besides a few of the old veteran gunslingers that are still getting it done, the Tom Brady's, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Drew Brees's of the world, for the most part, most of these quarterbacks coming into the league these days have to have that athletic trait, the ability to get off script and make plays outside the structure. And it just reminds me of so many plays of Tua's back in college. Like, for instance, in the Ole Miss game last year, when he had pressure right away, did a little bit of a ball fake, stepped up, slid around, got outside the pocket, made the completion on third down for the first down. We saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do it plenty of times as well. The ability to get off the spot and make plays outside the structure going to be crucial for any quarterback. And I think that Mike Kosicki talks about it there. I think we've seen plenty of that from Tua in his college days. Let's go ahead and hear now from Dolphins receiver Preston Williams, another player who will be catching passes from Tonga Vailoa on Sunday, as he was asked what are two of strengths that he has noticed so far in practice. You know, obviously, you know, throwing, 
you know, making plays, everything you want on the quarterback, you know. Y'all seen his tape. Uh, I speak for itself. Uh, like I said, we excited excited that tour. Gonna get it start. You know, just like everybody else, I'm, I'm excited to see him in his first game action against the Rams. Up next, Preston was asked about the challenge of facing this Rams defense, who has star talent all over the place, including a cornerback in Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, I know the Ramsey's a good player. The Rams got a good. It's a good team. Uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna come ready to play. We're gonna come ready to play. Uh, you know, you gotta you know bit name DB in there like that. You know, you usually just try to play our game. You know what I'm saying and we're gonna take some shots at them, I believe. So we're gonna see. Let's go ahead and finish up with the players here with Dolphins defensive end Shaq Lawson, who first was asked about the combination and playing on the defensive line there with fellow pass rusher, fellow edge defender, Emmanuel Ogba. Emmanuel beast, man. He, he's, he's been going crazy these last six, six seven games. When we don't play, man, he's been a dominant force. And having him on the other side, hopefully it's starting to open me up now, man, seeing he's he been balling like that. And things like that, but that guy been incredible, man. It's, it's been a pleasure to work with him. You know, um, we both came in the lead the same year, uh, so we we kind of kind of had a relationship before we got here, knew each other. But man, that guy's just been balling, man. It's incredible how he's been playing. Let's go ahead and check in with Shaq on his perception of what he's seen from Tua Tagovailoa in practice. Who, of course, makes his first start Sunday against the Rams. I'm looking forward to going out there and play with him Sunday. I've seen a lot a, a lot of him in practice, uh, how athletic he is, how incredible a player he is. So to get to see it on Sunday this week, man, it's going to be incredible, man. He's, he's going to lead his team in the right way. As a vice being in the league, I'm just telling the guy, just continue to work hard and continue to get better, man. And we're going to follow your lead, man. And just just embrace embrace every moment of it. And he, as a guy has been seeing him, he's been doing that uh, every day, you know. He's a guy that always have a smile on his face, a great kid, and always he always want to talk to vets and things like that want to learn new things so that guy he 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 learned a lot and like to learn too so we've heard that now from Shaq Lawson Bobby McCain and Jerome Baker three of the veteran players on this Dolphins defense and that last question there was directed towards Shaq about the advice he would give Tua for how to embrace his first start, how to approach his first start. This, of course, a guy who saw the Buffalo Bills go from a veteran quarterback to Josh Allen and saw the transformation of Allen kind of develop in his first couple of years there in Buffalo. So Shaq's been around rookie quarterbacks before. He knows what it looks like. He's positive about the way he sees Tua in practice every single day. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast by hearing from Coach Brian Flores, who spoke to the media this afternoon. And we'll start with Coach's expectations for what Tua should look like this week, his first week as a starter for your Miami Dolphins. I think he's just got to do a good job of preparing, um, you know, throughout the week. Uh, you know, I don't like to put expectations on, on, on anyone. I think we just need to go out there, um, really uh, not even go out there, but, you know, have a good day today, have a good meetings, have a good walkthrough, have a good uh, practice, you know, put it put together a good week. Um and just try to play a, a good football game, you know, come Sunday afternoon against a good opponent. Uh, it's a team effort. Um, so again, it won't be just Tua, but, you know, he's going to have to do his part as far as, uh, you know, communication, getting us lined up, uh, you know, making good decisions. I mean, I, you, we were saying specific to, to Tua, but, you know, this is anyone, you know, who steps on the field. I mean, we need them to do a good job with our communication. We need them to play with good fundamentals, technique, and we need them to execute. So, um, 
I mean, I, we were asking of him what we would ask anyone on uh, the steps on the field. Um, but again, he's young. And there's, there's, um, but yeah, we, we would expect him to, to, to go out there, play with good fundamentals, technique, and execute. We'll go over to the defensive side for a couple of questions on the defensive side of the football here for Coach, starting with some injury updates on a couple of Dolphins linebackers in Kyle Van Noy and Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, you know, just, you know, speaking, you know, talking about Van Noy, I mean, it's, look, there's only 16 games, so, you know, we don't, you know, it's, I'm not precautionary. I don't know if that's the word I would use. He couldn't go. Uh, we just felt like that was the best decision for him. Uh and, you know, he's doing everything he can to get back out there. Ginkle, uh, not quite out of the uh, protocol yet, but getting closer. Looks like uh, he's doing everything he can, but, you know, not you know, officially out of the, the protocol yet. So but he's, he's uh, looks like he's, he's you know, he was in all weekend and uh, doing, doing uh, or trying to do everything to get back. Plenty of questions about the quarterback position on this Monday, October the 26th, Brian Flores, media availability. I wanted to ask Coach about a possible quarterback on the defense. I asked him if it's fair to call Bobby McCain that, and what is it about the way McCain communicates specifically that really makes him fit into this Brian Flores defense, into this program, and at that safety position? Fair to say that he's a, he's a, def, a quarterback of the defense. He's a good communicator. I think a lot of that's uh, you know tied into his relationships that he has with other players on the team. Um you know, his willingness and, well, I would say his, uh, his, his production on the field, his, and just his overall uh, wanting to communicate and make sure we're all on the same page. Um, I think he's taken that role on um, and been successful in it. You need someone to kind of remind guys, you know, hey, watch this, watch that. It's third down, watch the sticks. You know, I think we all kind of need reminders. Um, and he's, he's, he's taken on that role and, and and really embraced it, I would say. And let's go ahead and flip back to the quarterback on the other side of the ball, the actual quarterback on this press conference for Brian Flores, and reference a question for Tua last week at his media availability about meetings on Tuesdays with Brian Flores. Here's Coach on those meetings, what they go over, game film, practice film, all the like. Here's Coach. Yeah, it's game film, it's practice film, it's situations. He's a young player. He's a lot, got a lot to learn. He tries to be a sponge. Um... I think everyone, you know, kind of can see that uh, players, coaches, his team, you know, I think it's, 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 uh, you know, he wants to learn. So as much, and he wants to see it from all different aspects. So um, might give him a defensive aspect. He gets it from Chan, obviously from the offensive side of the ball. He asks, you know, you know, defensive players, you know, what things that they saw. I mean, I think this is um, the type of kid he is and, it's a good thing, um, and, and uh, he tries to learn as much as he can. And you know, I think it's, you know, as a as a teacher, as a coach, I think that's, you know, that's what you're looking for. And um, you know, I try to watch as much or as many different things as as possible. But you know, obviously, you don't want to overload the kid. And I know he's getting a lot of information from a lot of different places. But our meetings are more, uh, I would say, me giving him the defensive perspective. And I think when you're as an offensive player, if you understand kind of the thought process of from the other side of the ball, you, you, it can make you a better player. I know that's the case defensively. We can think of how they're trying to attack us offensively. So um, that's what those those conversations are like. And we'll go ahead and finish up the podcast on that point there from Coach. And you guys have heard me reference 
a hundred times, maybe more, the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And a while back, I think it was before this draft season, they referenced the idea of having that defensive-minded coach not only benefiting you for what it does to your defense, which Dolphins 18.8 points per game, second-ranked scoring defense in the NFL, but what that can do for a young quarterback in your program for the way you can kind of tell him, hey, here's what I think defensively, here's how we want to attack you and your, your perceived weaknesses, and maybe some of the vulnerabilities of that offensive call. Here's how you can react to us to beat us where we might be weaker, where you might be strong and can attack our vulnerabilities. So a very cool balance there to think about with Brian Flores, Tua Tungavailoa, two guys who eat, sleep, and breathe football, just there at the facility working this thing out. It's a fun thought for a Dolphins fan, I think, across entire Dolphins nation. All right, that's going to be it for my time today on this podcast. We'll come back and be with you guys again tomorrow for coordinators and defensive assistant coaches. Until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.